from Jerusalem. You said they shall prosper that love thee. And Father, we love what you love. And we thank you for the peace. The peace that surrounds the city that one day will be the capital of the world. Thank you for those that's on the line tonight. The mothers, the grandmothers, the surrogate mothers, godmothers. All of those who have an important role to play in the lives of children. And especially those who are mothers in Zion. Thank you, Lord, as you encourage their hearts. May not always feel appreciated. But we don't want to forget that you are not unrighteous. And you, praise God, will not forget our work. And our labor of love. And we thank you for healing. We thank you for deliverance. We thank you for salvation. If there's someone on this line who has not received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, we pray that their heart would be pricked. And then there we they will ask, What must I do to be saved? But in the meantime, Give us a word of reconciliation and give us listening ears and receptive hearts. This we ask in our Lord Jesus Christ's name. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, again, I say thank the Lord for you. Yes. We praise God because we are now post-Mother Day. Mm. And the next holiday we're going to have in the month of May would be but it is Memorial Day. Yes, Each month carries a holiday in most instances. You can mm. find a day to celebrate. Yes, but I often say we don't have to wait for Mother Day to show your mother you appreciate her. That's it. That's Every it. day ought to be a day you appreciate your mother. Yeah, both so cool. Nothing more than giving her a call. We got all kinds of ways we can get in touch now. Text. You can call. You can jump on a plane and fly, <laughs> praise God, <laughs> and can do it in some places in a day. Mm, but it's a way we can get in touch if we seriously want to stay connected, and we should. For the very first command with a promise is in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, said, Honor your mother and your father, yes. that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. God give us the panacea. He give us, praise God, the way that we are to obey and the way that we are to acknowledge him. And we bless him right now for him. And we give him the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to go back. And through the scripture, we're going to take it and we're going to share some of what you're going to hear when you go down into the word of God, as our Lord said, when it's like a man going down into his treasure, mm. he brings up new things, he brings up old things. Mm. So there are going to be many sound truths that you will hear. And then there may be new truths that God will reveal. And then there are some truths that he has already revealed that we might have forgotten. Or some that we don't practice. 
may be some truth that we ignored. God has a way of opening up our understanding and helping us to learn and to grow and to flow and to soak on what we know. Mm. And in Jesus' name, <laughs> Isaiah said this. He said, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. That's chapter 4 and verse 8. Now, who wouldn't want to stand upon something that will last forever? And as I was meditating and thinking in today's thoughts for a lesson tonight to share with you, I was thinking about when we have to go up on a high place or we're maybe fixing something or changing the light, or it could be you're trying to reach something on a shelf if you're a short person, or even if you aren't short, it might be something that you stored in a high place, in the cabinet, in the kitchen, someplace. And so what you do, if there isn't someone who's tall enough to reach up and get it, and you don't all have that luxury. So what we do, we find something that's stable, something that's solid, something that's balanced, something that's durable, glory to God, hallelujah. And we place that object in a level place and we stand up on it and the reason why we are able to stand up on it is because it is level because it is steady because it is reliable and many times it might be something that we've used before and so we know that is dependable and so we stand up on that and we can reach what we were trying to get that our tippy toes didn't allow us and that's what I want us to see and put a picture in your mind. Because I want to bring out some spiritual metaphors that I've already shared before. But I think this is a good time to rehearsal, remind, to go back, to recall, and to review. Hallelujah. These metaphors are going to help us. And it's going to give you a solid grip and the validation and the authenticity, hallelujah, of the scripture. Sometimes we lose focus of that. And I want to just remind us, but back to that chair or the stool or whatever object, could be a box of some sort that you go and you pull and you stand on it because it's reliable. Well, I'm using that as a metaphor when it comes to the word of God. Hallelujah. If you stand up on that object with confidence that you won't fall because it's reliable, it's strong enough to hold you, and so that's why you use it. Well, that's the way you need to embrace glory to God. The Word of God, it has proven itself to be grounded, to be faithful to be solid it's, it's it's so powerful it can convict it can convert this is god's word and so we want to go through and see god give us pictures and these pictures help us to understand the word of god i'm trying to go slow because i'm excited because when i go through and i'm looking at what god word is saying I, I just want people to, to 
to grasp it. Amen. For the victory that's in it, that the power that's in it, the life-changing truths that will empower us, we need to hear what's in God's word. Hallelujah. So be encouraged. What's the metaphor, you may say? And that's what I want you to think about tonight because I'm going to share with you these metaphors. Now, if you took English, your English teacher would have said something to you about a metaphor. Because when you're talking about this, you might have been in English class. Sometimes it's called figure of speech. Yep, that's another word for it. It's a colorful way of speaking. Uh, when you take a metaphor, you take two things that uh, you compare, and they may have nothing in common but one thing. Just like I just said about the stool, the stool that we could stand up on or some kind of box that you use as a ladder. <laughs> Praise God. So I'm using it because the, the thing that's in common is this steadiness. The, the ability to hold you up, the, the dependability of it, or sometimes it's the availability of it. And so we're going to look at God's word and use what I've just shared with you to see how the, the, how you can depend upon God's word, how, praise God, the power that's in it, the steadfastness. My God, it won't give away. It won't give out. As I said, Isaiah said in chapter 40, verse 8, it shall stand forever. So I'm saying to you, just like that stool, why would you climb up on a weak stool knowing that it's already shaky and you know that you don't know what is going to hold you up and you're going to climb on up on it anyway? Hmm. You put yourself at risk. No, but this is what we need to see when it comes to obeying and trusting and relying upon God's word. It has proven. And not only has it proven, God has said it shall stand forever. So I'm going to take you through tonight. I'm going to show you some things in God's word, some promises that's in God's word, some truths in God's word that's in the form of metaphors. And guess what? If you embrace these truths, if you take these truths and apply these to your life, hmm. you can stand forever. I'm not going to tell you you're not going to face opposition. I'm not going to tell you that you ain't going to face competition. I'm going to tell you that you will come out with the right position. And that is, as a child of God, hallelujah, hmm. because... When he spoke it, and he gave the promises, they shall come to pass and will not return unto him void. These are God's promises, and that's why we need to take and embrace them. I'm going to start out with the metaphors, first of all. Some you may know, some you might have forgotten, but they are going to come back to your remembrance when I use them. And I give you the scripture text. But before I give you that, I, something else that I want to share with you, and it's concerning uh, a book. The Bible is the book. It's the book of all times, all ages. The scripture and the word of God 
will not return unto him void. Things that are happening right now have already been prophesied. And guess what? Things that have not taken place <laughs> are written in the book. Well, that's why we're here each week. So we can see. This is a book that can tell you what's coming. And let you know what's already passed. And let you know where you are. And that's what I say about it when it comes to embracing his truth. And we're going to do like it, Ezra said. Chapter 7, verse 10, when Ezra said, you have to prepare your heart. That's the first thing. To seek out of the law of the Lord. To do what it says. And then you can teach it to others. But many times in the society and the culture that we live in, people try to do it in the reverse. Mm. They try to teach it to others without doing it themselves, mm. without seeking, mm. and without preparing their hearts. Mm. So it is the way that we are to go to God's word. And again, it Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10. You have to prepare your heart. You got to know what your heart is. That's a metaphor. Your heart, praise God, yes, it's an organ that's in your chest, but it's not the only meaning of the word heart. Have you ever heard somebody that said you get the heart of a, of a, I think it said of a, of a celery or the heart of a, a type of fruit? The heart means the place, the core of it. So when you hear the word heart, it's not always talking about the muscle in your chest that pumps blood. Let's get that straight. Right now, when you hear scripture says in Psalms 19, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Yes. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now you know you do not meditate with that organ in your chest. Let's get that straight. I'm trying to help you understand the scripture. You meditate with your mind. And that's in your head. <laughs> Praise God. And Paul writes it like this to the church of Rome. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it has to be. Listen. Your heart. That's the organ in your chest, can be transplanted. Somebody waiting on a heart transplant. In order for them to get that, they take a heart from someone else who has passed on. And they will transplant it many times, you know, in a safety way. So to make sure you get it there, because you can't keep it out too long and pack it in ice and whatever other precautionary procedure they take to get it to the person that awaits the heart. But the heart that we see in the scripture, most of the time, is talking about your mind. Mm. Where you thought, your thinking, your thoughts, your imagination. Listen, folks, your motive. That's what your real motive is. Mm. Your intent comes out of your heart. And that's what God is looking at. Mm. The scripture referred to it as the hidden man. It's the hidden part of you. We can't see your thoughts. We can't see what you're thinking. 
We don't know what your intents are. So that's what you got to keep in your mind. Stay right there for one minute. When Samuel went down to Jesse's house, God sent him there and said he did, he, he told Samuel one of Jesse's sons was going to become king. Mm -hmm. He sent him down there. He did not tell him what he looked like. He did not tell him, praise God, what he was going to have on. Mm -hmm. Samuel went by faith. He obeyed God because actually he went by faith, but he went fearful. That's right. <laughs> he went fearful because he was a prophet. And when the prophet came, he had the, the, the anointing to speak to the people and many times they were afraid because they didn't know what he was going to speak whether it was going to be judgment mm -hmm. against them mm -hmm. or whether they were, he was going to speak a blessing upon them right. and if you go back and you read that I believe it's the 13th chapter first Samuel they asked Samuel when they saw him are you coming in peace mm -hmm. in other words they were wondering if you're coming are you coming to speak judgment or speak upon us Oh, you're coming to bless us. Well, he sent Samuel to Jesse's house. This is something that Jesse didn't even know. Yes. That one of his boys was going to become king one day. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. And I often wonder if he had known, would they have treated David any differently? Or would they have treated him like they did Joseph? Mm -hmm. Joseph had a dream that his father him. I hope you're listening to this because this is the Holy Spirit giving me these these different scenarios that you may even be familiar with. Mm. Joseph had a dream about these cheese bowing down to him and he, he he didn't know what it meant. God speaks in dreams. That's what Job said, Job 33. God speaks through dreams. So he was telling his father, his family about his dream. And they became offended in a sense of <laughs> and the audacity. You mean you're dreaming we're going to bow down to you one day? Mm -hmm. So they took offense. So I'm saying something God shield, he protects us from. Hallelujah to Jesus. Because people even in your family can't handle it. And when we remain humble, God can use us so we won't become outlandish and outrageous. Hallelujah. And make ourselves seem like we're better than someone else. You can do that with little. <laughs> Praise mm -hmm. God. You can do that with little. Don't let it be said. Let God humble you. Because if you, if you don't, I'll put it like this. You humble yourself because if you don't, he will. Yes. That's yes, what you got to do. He yes. teaches us to humble ourselves. Yes. Peter wrote that epistle where he said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That's what he's done. That means yield to him. Be subject to him. Acknowledge him. Lord, what will you have me to do? Because yes. you may be trying to do something and get out of something that God has ordained for you to go through. Lord, yes. have mercy. Speak. Yes. yes. That's what I'm trying to tell you now. Yeah, no doubt. You're God's creation. You're God's creator. Cre creation. He made you. Yes, I tell people all the time, God is one that made Pharaoh. 
God is the one that made Nebuchadnezzar. He made them. They were servants. That's what they were called, servants. But they're the one who became proudful mm. and boastful. Mm -hmm. When you become proudful and boastful, I'm going to throw this in so someone who needs to hear this, if it's somebody you haven't forgiven, mm -hmm. I got to say that you put yourself in God's place. Mm. If it's somebody you hold on to because you have not forgiven them, you're making yourself some kind of God. <laughs> Praise mm. God. Because if God will forgive them, and you won't, guess what the Bible said in Matthew chapter 6? You won't be forgiven either. Mm. So now he wants us to know that. This is what you got to hear because it didn't come from me. Mm -hmm. I didn't write that. And that's what I'm about to tell you, something else, before we leave here tonight with those metaphors. When it comes to writing books, there are books that the author or the publisher get together on. And so the author is the person that wrote the book. Mm -hmm. The publisher is the one that takes it and put it in print. Mm -hmm. And there are some steps that they take it. Mm -hmm. There are some books mm -hmm. that are around for years. And then there are other books they go into a library because they're so scarce. And they may have only one or two copies. So you have to find out what now. The book that I'm looking for, how do I know whether that book is still in print? Whether it, it still is being sold? And, and when I was in college, there were some books that we were required to read, mm. which meant they were in, in copies, plenty of copies you could get there. And, and as I share with you tonight, class, it may bring back memories for some of you who have gone through college or high school and you had what they call required reading. Mm. And some of these books that's been around for years, that's been published, published and are still in print, they have become classic because they have sold so many copies. That's what you got to remember. Mm. Books like The Canterbury Tale, mm. books like Pilgrim Progress and Robinson Crusoe, Books like uh, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer and some books like Gone with the Wind. They have even been trans, they have taken those books and they have translated those words and they have taken them and put them into movies. Mm. These books, they're in print, but at the same time, they have sold millions of copies. But I want to tell you now. They don't impress God mm. because there is a book. There's a book that has been around, praise God. It has outsold most of the books that I just read off to you. Mm. And that book that I'm talking about is the Bible. Yes, Lord. We know from history and from the, from the archaeology digging up different type of information that has come up and has surfaced concerning scripture. We found the book of Isaiah in glass jars hidden somewhere in a cave. We're talking over 400 years ago. And yet this book has sold billions of copies. And this estimate came as a result of the Guinness World Book. Because mm -hmm. remember, it started recording things that was unusual. Yeah, but I want you to know when it comes to the word of God, 
It has stood the eon in the test of time. Yes, Lord. So you don't have to hear what I'm going to say about it. You don't have to receive it. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I want you to know it shall stand yeah, forever. God doesn't need our evaluation. He doesn't need our assessment. You can't go in and critique God's word and pull out what you want. Hmm. And you do have people that we call that are editors. Editors <laughs> is when you take your book, what you've written, and you have given it to someone to edit. That's what it means. To edit me to go in, to take out, to put in. Sometime a person, when they edit, they change your word. Come on, somebody. Mm. I've had people to ask me well, if I needed someone to be an editor for my book and to want to be an edit. And they will go in, as I said, and look over what you've written. Mm-hmm. So what what accounts for the longevity of a book? What accounts for whether this book stays in print or the print status of a book? One thing that's almost for sure is a best-selling book is one that has been around for a long time. Sometimes you have the historical facts that's in that book that is is used over and over and over again, that's quoted, that's being promoted, praise God, is being considered mm. as the book of the year. Mm-hmm. You know we have that all of the time. But I want you to remember something else. The one thing that caused a book to stay in a long time, whether time passed by it or not, it's when you write about people and their relationship and their struggles. Yeah, <laughs> Those books that I named to you early on, mm-hmm. you have a main character. And what that person went through, that's the main character. It talks about what they struggled through, what they did to hang on, to survive. And that book has been around for a long time. Well, I came to tell you, there is a book mm-hmm. <laughs> that has stood the eons of time. Yes. This book is certainly not a, a work of fiction. Yes, so cool. It's truths are everlasting. And the word in here, spoken by God, are immutable. It cannot be changed. It cannot be altered. They have stood the eons of time. This is a divine book. This book was written, praise God, to 